0: Greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fredlund, and as always, uh, we are joined by our illustrious panel. And so far tonight, we have the magnificent Jim Reed, the wonderful Rob Washam, the amazing Andrew Feist, and the nicest guy in poker who likes to three-bet me, John Somsky. So thanks to you guys. Thanks to our official sponsor, Running Aces Racetrack Casino and Hotel, and our other podcast sponsors, Learn Pro Poker and Website Amp. This is episode 182, and we're going to be joined very shortly by Carlos Welch, who I'm really excited to chat with. But before we get to Carlos, uh, real quick, two things we want to make sure that you're aware of. Uh, You go to the rec.poker slash resources page. There's a new special deal out there for Learn Pro Poker. Go check that out. And also, you can get one week free of core by going to redchippoker slash recpoker and using the code recpoker. So with that, let's bring in uh first-time guest, Carlos Welch. Carlos, how are we?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Now, I hear people keep saying, hey, you got to have Carlos on your show. you got to have Carlos on your show, and you're finally here. So uh, I'm glad we we're able to make it work out.
1: <laughs> Happy to be here.
0: Now, you are, from my understanding, you're a frequent guest on the Thinking Poker podcast. Uh, you've been on other podcasts as well. You're involved in the Tournament Poker Edge. You're an MTT grinder, you're a poker coach, you're a writer, uh, but uh, you, you bring this unique perspective on how you live your life, and I think uh, that's why I'm excited to chat with you. So let's, let's talk a little bit about just high-level, who the heck are you? Who's Carlos Welsh? Why should we care? Uh, introduce yourself to the folks at Poker Nation.
1: Well, um, I don't know why most people care
2: about carlos
1: <laughs> but what i've what i what i learned this is a funny story so you mentioned the um thinking Poker podcast and um uh andrew brokus uh, one of the hosts of that show is a good friend of mine and he and i are hanging out in vegas uh last year year before that can't remember exactly which year it was but um um LeBron's team I don't even know which team he was on at the time but they <laughs> they they were in the finals and he was invited to a uh, finals watching party and he invited me to come along with him so I drove at the time I had a van so I had a van aka the Nitmobile, and I drove us over there and you know we went in to watch the game and he introduced me to these guys and like, Oh, hey, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And it was just normal, normal stuff. And then we got to talking. And Andrew was like, yeah, you know, Carlos lives in his van. They're like, wait, you're the guy with the van. And then they got all excited. So (laughs) they wanted to go out. They rushed outside. Is it here? And they wanted to go meet the van. So I think the van was more popular than I was. So, um, that's pretty much my calling card in poker is um, I've moved into a van a couple of years ago to travel around playing poker, writing about poker, coaching poker. Um, and recently I switched the van out for a Prius. So now I'm pretty much the poker player in the Prius. And that's what people know me for.
0: Now, is that primarily just because you wanted a little bit more leg room, or why did you switch it up for the Prius?
1: Because I, during that summer, or maybe it was the summer before, the first time I drove the, so I'm initially from Atlanta, originally from Atlanta, but the first time I drove the van out to Vegas, I stayed in it during the summer and I slept in 95 degree heat at midnight in the van didn't work out too well. With the Prius, with the having an electric motor, I can run the AC overnight. So that was the thing with the van with the um Prius. The reason I switched to Prius, I can run air conditioning all night. Doesn't um, the engine doesn't, doesn't need to be um, on the whole time for that. And also I got an a, a um, inverter installed to the uh, secondary battery so I can plug up my uh, monitor and sit it on the passenger side. So I'm just, you know, parked in the desert and playing four to six tables of online poker and sleeping in this car.
0: I love it. So tell us a little bit about the, the, the journey to that. Like, how did you end up getting to that point where you're saying, you know what, uh, I, I don't want to have an apartment or a house or whatever. I want to live out of a vehicle. What was the What was sort of the the, the journey that brought you to that
1: point? Black Friday. (laughs) So, if we all remember Black Friday, um, I had a couple of thousand dollars locked up on Full Tilt at the time. And also at the time, I was a middle school math teacher. And so I had the summer off in 2011, and I was trying to find a way to get my money off of Full Tilt. So, I got this bright idea to move to Jamaica for the summer and switch my residence um, in full tilts because they were still paying out rest of the world players, just not Americans. So I went to Jamaica, I've signed like a one month lease on this villa. And um, the whole time I was in Jamaica, uh, at the time I, I lived in a house that I was buying so I had to pay that mortgage and I was in Jamaica in the summer paying rent there while also paying mortgage on an empty house. And so when I got back that that next year, I decided to basically do poker full time and traveling. And I thought I didn't want to like, you know, go out to the World Series of Poker and have to pay this mortgage on this empty house and circuit events. So uh, I left the house and initially moved into a um, extended state hotel. Now, when I mentioned this, a lot of people don't seem to know what those are. But my mortgage was around a thousand dollars a month. With utilities and all that stuff on top of it. The hotel I moved into was around, I think at the time, like 160 a week, including all the utilities. And whenever I traveled for poker, I didn't have to pay for the room like I had to pay the mortgage for the house. So I did that for a couple of years. And after WSOP 2015, I came home or back to the room, uh, which was home um, in Atlanta. And the, the um, rent went up. I think it was like, it went from like 160 to like 200 a night. and now I think they're up to like 250, some of them are like 350 a night. And before I decided to um, go back to the room, I just kind of had the fleeting thought that, you know, all I do is sit in this room every day, play poker, write about poker, study poker. I can do this in a van. And and I was like, wait, why, don't, why, won't, why wouldn't I do it in a van? So I had the thought and probably like two to three weeks later, I had the van and I just did it. Yeah. No kids, love, no pets. No, uh, I don't have a girlfriend or a wife. So it wasn't. And I'm kind of a crazy person anyway. So it wasn't that big of a leap for me to do it. I've met so many people that say they would love to do it, but they just have so many other things. It's a lot easier for a single guy with no with no kids I to kind it. of jump into that.
0: So somebody that hasn't seen you for a while talks to one of your buddies and says, hey, what's Carlos up to? And they're like, oh, he's living in the van. They're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's completely normal for me. Yeah. That's awesome. It, well, no, it's a no total.
0: Go,
3: go ahead, Jim. No, I was just gonna say it's an inspiration for a lot of us poker players. Because when I when I talk to people about Carlos, it's it's like uh, it's just like dieting and working out. You know, like if you want to be in shape, you can do a lot of exercise and work out all the time, um, or you can just eat less. And I, I think that's the same way we we look at our finances like this. You know, like Carlos is like I don't want to go out there and uh, I want I don't want to go out there and do a bunch of this other work uh, making money. I want to focus on the poker stuff that I love. And I'm just going to come up with a way to spend less in a month instead of making more, and be free to do whatever I want all the same time. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Hats yeah. off to you,
1: sir. And 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 also thank you. Also, you know, with the um, theme of the podcast, wreck poker. Uh, I'm not that good at poker, so <laughs> if I needed to pay. A mortgage and some car note and paid for some kid and a wife and like I don't know if I could do this for a living if I didn't cut my expenses mm. so you know I've basically found a way to be a wreck poker player for a living by cutting the expenses
0: love it John did you have something
2: yeah, I was just going to mention it's been a uh, you know fascinating journey to I was going to say watch, but more accurately it would be to listen to, <laughs> yes. um, because I mean I think most people agree that when you are on uh, Thinking Poker podcast, it's one of the favorite episodes of that series. Not that they have a bad one, but <laughs> you're kind of a, a special guest star when you come on, and it's been really interesting listening to you you mature over the years. You know, you can tell you've gotten better, more confident with your play. Um, And you are always, even though you're on there with, you know, Andrew and who, if I were on that podcast with him all the time, I'd be quite intimidated. (laughs) You feel confident with, when you get into areas of saying, no, you know, on the games I play here on Bobata, these low stakes, this is what I can do here even though that may not make sense in the games that you play in. So it's been a fascinating journey to listen to, as I said.
1: Yeah. I I call myself a full host of the podcast, as opposed to a -A co-host F-A-U-X. Yeah. I think I've done, man, might be like 15 episodes now of that show. So um, I'm definitely comfortable with um, Nate and Andrew, and these guys are, are my real-life friends, so it's a lot easier to, to not feel intimidated because of that. And I just know, being a math teacher myself, um, being intimidated in, in a setting where you're there to learn is probably one of the biggest roadblocks to learning. You can't feel uh, like asking questions and speaking up and like giving your opinion, even though they may or may not be wrong. Uh, is not a stupid thing to do. And I had, I was like, it was like pulling teeth to get, you know, my math students to understand that nobody wanted to raise their hand. They didn't want to look at, be seen as a student, as the stupid kid, but I have no problem being seen that way because not being willing to ask those questions is how you remain stupid. <laughs> and so, you know, you got access to Nate and Andrew, like, you know, why not, you know, soak up that knowledge and, um But but you're right. I definitely don't mind giving my take on the games that I have more experience in than they do. Carlos,
4: you know one of the things i 've really enjoyed listening to you talk about uh, it's sort of it 's in relation to sort of the living in a van or living in a car it 's like it, it 's sort of like how do I optimize this experience? How do I make sure that i 'm like getting the most out of it and the The most fascinating conversations i 've heard you have are some of those ones about game selection, and I think you 've been a little cagey about you know which games you 'll go and target in Vegas while everyone 's going to play this shiny object <laughs> you 're going to try to find the unshiny object really and and, I, you know, without giving out all your secrets, I'm wondering if you can just talk in general about uh, about that idea of game selection and what that means to you as, as a, a player who's trying to find
1: games that are profitable rather than sort of glitzy. Got you. Uh, I actually have a very current um, example for this topic. Um, my goal, first of all, I... I am playing poker for the money. I enjoy poker, but it's not something I would do for free. And sometimes playing against good players almost feels like you're doing it for free. Like if I'm gonna play against good players, it's gonna be poker snowy, uh, where it doesn't cost me anything to lose. And so, but if we're playing for money, I wanna find the worst players I can find to play against for the most money that I can play them, um, play against them with within my bankroll. And what, 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 as far as the current example is this, you guys know the last, what, three months now have been kind of crazy for online poker because of the COVID 19 pandemic. Uh, I was grinding on ignition and, um, Pretty much the highest stakes on the site because for whatever reason on that site, as you move up in stakes, the players don't get better. So um, I was grinding on the highest stakes on the site, and all of a sudden, the field sizes started to like triple, and it's because all the live guys are like forced online now. Now this kind of snuck up on me; I didn't see it happening. And so one thing you learn is that the bigger the field size is, the more variance you have. And you kind of find yourself basically playing for the experience in a way. <laughs> basically, you get, you know, you play a thousand player field. The most likely outcome is you're going to get your, your buy-in back and maybe a little gas money. But that's about it. And I'm not really interested in that. I'll play tournaments. For final tables, and it's harder to make final tables in bigger fields. So even though these fields are still soft, and they're probably actually softer because they're, you know, in general when the field size increases, the average player is going to be worse. It, I'm not playing for EV. I'm playing for actual dollars. And so what I had to do is, you know, for game selection. If I wanted smaller field sizes, which I did, I had to drop down in stakes on that site because they did not offer, like the ideal tournament for me on that site would be like a 109, 10K. That's going to have about 100 players in it. But they don't offer many tournaments like that. And so before I was playing tournaments, I can't even remember the guarantees in it. I mean, it seems like ages ago, but it was actually only like three months. Uh, so like, well, okay. One example is the, um, they run this $55, 25 K. I hate that tournament because it was bad before the pandemic, but now I think at, it was getting like five or 600 runners. And now it's getting like 1500. I think it might even got 2000 a couple of times. And I can't play those tournaments anymore because the field sizes are so far to control so, so, what I realized is that since the field sizes are basically tripling, I wanted to find something that would normally get around 100 runners and then play those. Like I said, a 109 10K, which they don't offer many of, but they do offer a decent number of $33 3Ks or $44 4Ks. So, I dropped down in stakes and played those just to kind of keep the field sizes and variance down and while everybody else was going the other direction. Like, you're telling me that $55, 25K is getting like 75K in the prize pool now, and that's 25 for first, let me play that. And 99.9% of those people walk away unhappy, unless they just enjoy the experience of playing a tournament, which I don't. I'm there for the final table, I'm there for the money. And if that's what you're looking for, you need small fields, not bigger fields.
0: I love I loved just that, that the idea of just knowing what your what your ultimate goals are. I think that's – we talk about that quite a bit. If you don't really know why you're playing, it's hard to optimize your experience and your tournaments or your cash or whatever it is. So I think that's such a critical point to take out of this is know what you're ultimately trying to do and be honest with yourself about what that is. Uh, Andrew, yes. did you have something there?
5: Uh, yeah, I was reading an article that you wrote uh, for about bad beats. And i just really liked the part of it where you know it's a true bad be queens losing to jacks that kind of thing and instead of the last line really gets me it's where it's instead of cursing to the heavens we should thank our lucky stars for this opportunity and start looking for more i love that attitude that that is when i read that last line that that made the whole article like it was great but that that just that last line was awesome and what do you stay what do you do to try and stay in that mindset because the grind can get to everyone
1: obviously just play with worse players. Like, just keep <laughs> finding worse players. And um, what I tell my students, and in fact, I got a couple of students right now complaining about it, which reminds me of, self, reminds me of myself five years ago complaining about it, which is, man, every time I get it in with a good hand, I lose. Oh, these idiots keep sucking out on me and all this kind of stuff. And the, the, the mantra that I'm telling these guys is is a volume game you have to get in more spots like that. Yeah, you're going to lose your fair number of spots where, you know, you're getting it in as an 80% favorite, it may feel like you're losing 60% of the time, but if you do that, if you run that spot, you know, a million times, then yeah, it's going to feel like you're losing it 20% of the time because that's reality. And so if you're trying to like avoid the tilt that comes from getting bad beat you just got to keep getting it in good. Get it, get it, get it, get it, try to get it in good twice as often or 10 times as often as you currently are, and that'll go away. But that's hard to do when you're playing against good players. So you need to find more bad players and improve your skills to find more spots to get those players to put in their money bad against you, which was basically what the article was about.
5: Yeah, because you mentioned something on playing a hand with Maria and where you lost Queens versus her ace-king, and you said the same thing. You know, you're never going to get five bets shoved with six-five from her anyway, so you got to find the bad players. I like that.
1: Yeah, that hand was in the 2016 main event on day three, and it was so funny because all my, my, my buddies were, like, in the hall of the Rio, and, you know, I'm all getting prepared for day three, and I had, like, 50 bigs. Those are pretty decent stats. So I'm ready to go in there and do my thing. And I went in and I think I came back in like 15 minutes with a smile on my face and said, I'm out. And it was like, you're joking, right? Uh- <laughs> and I'm like, no, man, it went, I lasted like an orbit and a half. But it was basically a situation where I opened Queens, she three bet ace king, I four bet, she jammed, I called and I lost. But it was early enough in the day where I didn't feel like I bubbled because the bubble doesn't burst until like the end of that day. But it was also like I got a chance to make day three and I didn't bubble and I got an end good against a good player. So I left happy even though I lost $10,000 in 15 (laughs) minutes. But, yeah, it was was a situation uh, that could have been – a lot of people would look at that as a negative, but that's one of like when I think of about think about some like happy moments that I remember in my poker career. That that's one of them. Is like, you know, that was a that was a good experience, I think. I, if you're gonna bust the main event, that's the way to do it in my opinion. If you're gonna bust awesome. bubble. <laughs> if you're not gonna cash the main event, that's the way to do
0: right, it. Right. Right. No, it's good stuff. Well one of the things, Carlos, we love to do, and I, I'd love to talk more about your story just in general, but uh, one of the things we always try to do is an element of the strategy side for the for the folks that are listening to the podcast. So if you if you don't mind, uh, Chris has a hand uh, that we'd love to have you break down a little bit.
1: Okay.
4: Uh, all right, Carlos. Well, this is, this is, uh, this is not your favorite type of player cause these are not bad players, but, um, <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're, uh, in a hundred K high roller, um, that was on poker guards just watching it recently. And I think this See? is, this. but this is something we can all kind of relate to cause it's some, it's that kind of point in a, in a decision tree where you're kind of wondering how do I hang on here and how often do I hang on? Do I need to hang on here with a hand like this? So, um, just to give you a little context, there's ten players remaining. There's two tables of five players, uh, and only the top six get paid. So we're not in the money yet. Uh, we're at a hand. Uh, we're at a table of five players, okay. um, and so the blinds are eight k, sixteen k, and with a sixteen k big blind ante. And we're first to act under the gun or a hijack in this. Um, and we've got a pretty decent stack of one point four million, um, and uh, we have. Queen of Clubs, Jack of Hearts, um, and in this case, I, I don't think there's anything um, to argue about this. But uh, we opened this to a min open to 32k, um, and I, I kind of want to get post flop because I think it's, there's not much to argue with here because the the button and the big blind call us, um, and so we're going three way to a flop, um, uh, and the flop is eight of hearts, three of diamonds. Jack of diamonds um, and the big blind checks. So what uh, we we've got top pair, not a great top pair, but a pretty decent one on this board. There's two diamonds. We do not have a diamond. Um, What's, what's, what's our move here.
1: So we already screwed up when we registered (laughs) a hundred K high (laughs) roll. But if we were dropped here by a time machine, Yeah. Um, I guess. So, first of all, we have to try to think and play uh, as close as we can to GTO. And I think what this is a wet board, and and keep in mind that I'm way out of my league uh, trying to play GTO, but I think we, with this board being wet three-handed, but we do have this big stack. And would you consider—is this even considered a bubble when there's ten left and six pay? Are we even at the bubble yet?
4: Yeah, we're getting close. We're getting close. Oh, and I should have mentioned um, the the button has five hundred eighty-five k. So we 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 uh, we outstack both players. Uh, the big blind has not even a smaller stack. Uh, had about three hundred and twenty k. So we've got both of them well covered.
1: Gotcha. So what I would say is normally, this is what I think GTO says. When the board is wet like this, normally we want to use a bet less often and with a big sizing. Um, But this might be a special case because we should have additional fold equity being on the bubble, especially of 100K, or approaching the bubble of 100K and against two players we cover so my first thought was like, is this hand even strong enough to bet? But with the extra full equity, maybe it will be. And since we're betting more than we normally would, we would choose a smaller size than normal. Like when I first saw this, I would think, okay, we're going to bet like two-thirds pop on a, board, on a board like this. But now that feels a little iffy with this hand, so maybe we use this as a uh, high-frequency check but since we're going to bet here because of the extra fold equity and we're betting a lot um i would probably bet like i don't know third pot something along those lines well, uh that's really close to
4: what this is so this is Igor Kurganov by the way um if you know who that is and yes. uh in in so he does bet he bets about 30 he bets 38k so you're pretty much spot on with the the third pot uh and the button calls and the big blind folds. So now we're, we're heads up, um, out of position. We got top pair and the turn is the six of diamonds. So again, the flop is now, or the board is now eight of hearts, three of diamonds, Jack of diamonds, and six of diamonds. And we hold queen of clubs and Jack of hearts.
1: Hmm.
2: And it checks to
4: us or no. Yeah. 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 Or no. Sorry. We're, we're, we check first.
1: Yeah. Um, So do you think we should check here? When the diamond comes in, that's definitely a better card for the caller's range than ours. So I think this is a pretty um, uncontroversial check on the turn.
4: Agreed. And so we do check. uh, And now the button leads out for
1: 126K. Uh, Do we know the pot size here?
4: So we're around, let me see, we're around 30, 90, 90. This is a. Sounds uh, like a big bet. It's a big bet. It's like 60%, I think. Yeah, 60, 60 to 70. 70% of the pot.
1: And this guy seems to be setting up a river jam. So I think. Um, yeah, I think we definitely have to call with top pair here, especially. Um, well, actually, it hurts us not to have a diamond here. Normally, normally you don't want to like block bluffs, but um, you don't want to block flush draws, but you do want to block flush draws when the flush gets there. Mm-hmm. So this is less of a less of a call than it would be if we had a diamond, obviously. But I still think it's probably. Too high up in the range to fall. Um I just don't know what the hell to do on the river. So right, I, right. <laughs> well, that's where we're getting to. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a if I see this is why I like online poker. Like this is a sigh call, and I can like actually sigh and call if I was playing online. But live, this is like pretend you're not sigh. Yeah. Hold in the <laughs> sigh and call. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I would do here.
4: Okay, uh well, we do call um, and the river is the seven of clubs, so the final board is eight of hearts, three of diamonds, jack of Diamonds, six of diamonds, and seven of clubs. Uh, we check, which I think is not controversial um and the button shoves
1: I mean <laughs>
0: <laughs> how, how much does a shove though Chris? how much does he have? he doesn't have a how much is behind? Is that even uh, pot size?
4: 585 to start, so yeah. 60, it's, so three, so it's the pot's 70. like
0: 400 and some, he's shoving like 300
4: and yep, that Yep, part. yep. Yeah, it's a little under pot.
1: Hmm. So obviously he has some flushes. Does he have any value hands beside flushes that he would play this way? Doesn't matter, because I don't think he has anything. Um, he doesn't have any value that we beat. He's not going to do this with, like, Jack 10, I don't think. And if he is, he's turning into a bluff, probably, which this guy's probably not going to do that. Um, what bluffs does he have? So we open, and this guy caught on the button. Off of, like, 35 bigs. Mm-hmm. Man. See, this is why I play against idiots. <laughs> uh,
4: I, see, this is, this is all bringing us back to your game selection thing, which I love. like
1: The idiot.
4: first thing you said was, first of all, I wouldn't be caught in this game at all. So, y-
1: Yeah, you know. Um Man. I like this is an easy fold in the games I play. Easy fold, but you actually have to think about stuff here. Um, he, he would have to be turning a pair into a bluff, or what's he doing with like ace? He's, he doesn't have ace jack. I mean, if he has ace jack, oh, is he shoving that for value? He's not <laughs> yeah I don't know. uh that's the answer to this question. I don't know mm-hmm. and i mean, i'm not I'm not even sure if I'm thinking about the right things um I know I would probably fold is i think it really this hand boils down to what our flop betting range is. I think the flop bet is so unorthodox, especially being a small size on a wet board, and also being out of position. We're kind of like in a in an unexplored branch of the game tree here. Like in the, like it's not a standard area to be in. So I think that's what we am having so much trouble with. It is understanding what our range to get to this point looks like. Uh, and what villain thinks about that? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the hell to do here. Well, e- Igor,
4: Igor does fold. Uh, I'd be curious. Anyone on? Anyone even on the panel? Anyone? Anyone calling this?
0: It, it'd be tempted to call just because after I, after I you know underrepresent my hand in this way, you know, and if I. <laughs> You know, I'm still I've still got 800 behind. I guess it really is player dependent. I guess, you know how how capable are they of making this? Like like Carlos said, I I love what he said about in the games that I play, it's an easy fold because most players that are less experienced are incapable of making that sort of play. But you know, the one the river card seems innocuous, but it's not really. Like if this guy's turning, you know, he's got one of the draws. The nine the diamonds get there, the nine ten gets there. Like what else does he have here that he's floating with on the flop? I guess two overs or something kind of with. Backdoors with a one-third size pot, but it, it feels very heavily weighted toward value. But you know, depending on on how capable I think they are of turning a bluff into a, you know, or a or pocket threes or, or pocket fours or something into a bluff, you know, that's where it comes out of. It. But it, it's super tight for me.
1: I mean, like ace king, ace queen, he probably three bets pre. Yeah. Right. A- a- ace jack he's probably, I mean, is he betting that for value on this river on the bubble? I don't okay. know, man. <laughs> he might even three bet that hand pre. I just, I don't know. Um, so what King, Queen, um, King, Queen, does he have like, and I'm a man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Does, does he uh, fold that flop with one diamond maybe with King, Queen? Yeah, or like we I mean we were betting small, so I mean he might even yeah. raise. So um and then it, so the turn Yeah, that makes a little bit of sense. Like King King Ten, I don't know if he plays King Ten off. That's a easy faux pre, I think. Or could be wrong on that also. Um Queen Jack, he's say, yeah, it's gotta be in that ballpark, king queen, or he has to be turned a pair into a bluff. Because other than that, what about ace ten? Ace ten is another one. King queen, ace ten, or he's turned a pair into a bluff with the ace ten of uh, diamonds. Yeah, the ace of diamonds. Ace of diamonds. Yeah. Yeah. See, see that that's one that I think they're more likely to turn into a bluff because it's just like a just the the nut blocker they have in that situation. Um, yeah, it's hard to find bluffs. It's hard to find, I'll put it this way. It's hard to find enough bluffs to justify a call. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he has a few hands he could be bluffing with here, but is it, are we good often enough when we call here? I don't know, man. I don't know. Does he call on the button
6: with ace nine with the ace of diamonds? Ace seven with the ace of diamonds.
1: See see, that's what I'm thinking is the offsuit aces below ace ten, are those just folds pre? They feel like folds yeah, pre to
6: me. Yeah, that's that's what
4: I'm yeah. that's what I'm
1: wondering too. Right. The, the stack pressure too, it seems like you you probably need to fold those. Yeah. Now if you can give them, you know, a number of those, then I think this becomes a lot closer. But without those. I think Steve is right in that he's got to be turning some pairs into a bluff and maybe he's good enough to do that. I know all these guys are very good. I just don't know if doing that is good in a high ICM pressure situation. <laughs> um another question I have like Steve mentioned that we're under-repped. I'm wondering if we are um I was going to say over-repped. I don't know if that's the right term. But um, we shouldn't be betting very often from out of position here, I don't think. So, like, like I'm wondering yeah. if Villain expects us to even have this hand in our range. Like, I would think this hand um, – and, again, this is just the – without the ICM pressure, I strongly feel that this hand would not be a bet on the flop. But with the ICM pressure, maybe it becomes a bet and villain knows that. And so this is the exact type of hand that he will be trying to get us off of. And I just don't know what the next link in that chain of thought should be. That's why I get stuck, and that's why I don't play hundred K high rollers. <laughs>
3: it it certainly is the kind of run out that makes it tempting to try and get someone off a of one pair hand, isn't it? When the straight and the flush comes in, and you know you've shown aggression on the turn like that, it feels like the kind of spot where you could get a thinking player off a of one pair
1: hand. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't know. This is above my pay grade, guys.
0: Well, uh, <laughs> well you're <laughs> not getting paid anything, so
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Well, just uh, just to give us all the results here. Um, so Igor Kurganov does fold. Um, and because it's a stream, we know um, that you, and you've actually picked out the bluff very well. It was a bluff. Uh, he had king of diamonds, queen of spades. So he had the king of diamonds um, sort of give him the flush blocker um, and those two overs that he uh, carried over and, and, um, and bet um, on, that, on that turn diamond as well.
1: Yeah, his, um, so he calls pre. Um, Yeah, see, see, his hand makes a lot of sense um, with our action. I think he played his hand the way I would expect him to play it. I just don't know how many hands like this he has. Yeah. And is that enough to justify a call on the river? Like, what do you guys think he does with, like, ace 10 with the ace of diamonds on the flop. Does he just call that one or does he check raise it or does he raise it because he only has the one over as opposed to two? I
4: personally feel like those are the two bluffs I could find is, is the uh, ace 10 with the ace of diamonds and the king queen with the king of diamonds. I think, I think you're right. And I think that's, it's really great to think about that, even though the results here are if he had called, it would have been a great call in that moment, but over the long haul, there aren't enough bluffs here to make this call consistently. So yeah. that, I think that's, that's part of what I think is really great here is that um, results wise, he should have called, right. If he could see the cards, he should have called, but, but over the long haul, I think you can't make this call because there's just, your opponent has so
1: many more, so much more value here than they do potential bluffs. You know, you know, another thing that I learned a couple of years ago and I got to give um, credit to um Chance Karnath. Uh, This is something I learned from watching a stream he was doing. Um, and I ended up writing an article for Poker News about this, where he talked about something called tournament equity, which is not really a concept I was familiar with. But basically, it goes something like, even if this river call is a good call, which I don't think it is, what happens if... The, What happens at times we call here and lose? We go from Mm 1.4 to just under a million. And this guy goes to just over a million and he's on our direct left. We're just like in the box for the next, you know, orbit or two, maybe even more. So you kind of got to take that future game, um, the future game scenarios into account. And that should, lead us to be even tighter in this spot um, because of all the equity we lose by giving up the chip lead when we call here and we're wrong.
6: That's good. Rob, did you have something? Yeah, that's that's very interesting the way you the way you phrase that because I don't think people think in those terms. You think just about that hand so much more so than you think about what the position change will be depending on which way it goes and uh so that's yeah that's a very interesting thought i just had a question for you i think i think we're done with the hand right yes so i had i had another question for you you i hear you on thinking poker podcast and you're talking about the the uh population that you're playing against and you're always talking about how well against the people that i play against this is the right play or the people i play against this is the right play now we're all sitting here playing online poker a lot more than we usually do and we're all using poker tracker to try to figure out what that population is doing and i know that on Bovada or ignition or whatever they they are, are anonymous so you can't really you can't really track them track individual people but you're tracking the population how does that work how do you how do you make that happen
1: it's not really tracking in the traditional sense it as like you know because you're right we have anonymous opponents so we can't have a database that tells us how you know someone plays but what we do have on this site that i've never seen on any other site Is 24 hours after the tournament ends, you get access to all the whole cards, even the hands that were folded. So I review pretty much every hand I every tournament I play. And I can see how the average player on this site plays, and then I kind of exploit that in future tournaments. So some things you see over and over again, like you know, frequent limping is things that you would kind of expect to see. I'm very rarely surprised, but being able to see those whole cards, man, that that is such a powerful study tool. And you quickly get an idea of how, you know, the average player plays where, you know, I'm going to study. I take the hand history and I pull up the first hand and I can see all the cards and it's almost like everybody at that table besides myself is the same player because it's anonymous. Like, you know, you kind of have to treat it like you don't know any of these guys. So it's just like so it's like playing against Poker Snowy. except these guys aren't good like Poker Snowy. When you play against Poker Snowy and like you can set up like a sit and go against Poker Snowy's Poker Snowy and you're playing against eight copies of Poker Snowy. And because you can see how it plays eight times in one hand, you quickly develop in a feel for his game. And I kind of treat the average bravado player the same way, even though we know these aren't the same person, the same people. But over time, that, I guess, player profile kind of like, you know, Aggregate into some some type of Frankenstein that's that's at least uh, close to what you would expect from the average player and I try to like sort it I mean I sort it but split it where I'll say and my my percentages change over time but I'll say 70 to 80 percent of the players are loose passive and you got like another probably 10 10 percent in there, 10 to 20 percent, that's uh, overaggressive or like maniacal. And you're really if you're up against an unknown player and you treat him like a loose passive player, you're going to be right 80 percent of the time. But if he happens to be that maniacal player, you're really going to make some massive mistakes against him. But you can quickly figure that out because so many with so many passive players at the table, a lot of hands go to showdown. And you just see how what the guy played. and you know if you saw him three bet seven deuce off, first hand of the tournament, you know he's not a loose passive player. So you put him in that maniacal maniacal bucket. So you got your maniacs, and you got your loose passive calling station types. And once you kind of separate them into the correct category, you got you know your you just apply your passive Frankenstein profile to that guy and you, you, you apply your aggressive Frankenstein profile to that guy, and you're usually within the ballpark. And when your opponents aren't good, you don't need to be good to beat them. All you need to be is in the ballpark, especially when you live in a Prius. Don't Very need good. a lot of money Very to pay good. the rent. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, drop, drop the mic. Drop the
0: mic. There you go. <laughs> Well, Carlos, I think we're going to wrap it up there, just to, just to respect your time. But this is fantastic. We loved having you on the show. It's about time we had you on, and then, man, you did not disappoint. It was a fantastic conversation.
1: Thank you. this This was a lot. This is a lot of fun. Uh, I definitely fell out of my league in that hand, but it was it's fun to explore explore the um, areas of poker that I don't get a chance to, um, you know. My my poker muscles that I don't get a chance to work out, you know, just to, you know, these, these type of conversations keep those muscles from atrophying too much because I'm never going to get a chance to talk, about, to think about thinking this way when I'm playing for real money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I love it. And, you know, obviously we love chatting about it. We love learning in community. And, you know, despite the hand, the hand was a fantastic conversation. But even the, some of the truths that came out of that, even like game selection and even like okay, yeah, I made the fold and maybe it was a a lot of us rec players get caught in this trap of that was a bad fold because they had king-queen. Well, no, it wasn't a bad fold. Over the long run, that's a good fold. It just so happened this is one of the instances where we would have won the pot. And I think you know, just even that sort of truth that came out of this and not being so results-oriented by was that a good fold or a bad fold because of what that one player happened to have this one hand, I think that's a truth that a lot of us need to grab more and more hold of
1: yeah and even if it is a bad fold, which I don't think it is, but if it is a bad fold is always better than a bad call <laughs> very
0: good very good well well carlos what the as we as we let you go, any kind of final words of wisdom to the Rec poker nation or anything else that you're you have going on that you want to share
1: um words of wisdom um don't play hundred k high rollers <laughs> um anything or, or big feels. um um anything that I want to share? Um, no, I'll just say, you know, if anybody would like to get in touch with me, um they can reach me on Twitter. That's where I spend a lot of my poker time when I'm not playing. And uh, my Twitter handle is at hip hop one oh one trivia. Of
0: course it is. I mean that's that's what I was gonna guess
1: yeah yeah that, yeah yeah that came from before my poker days and i just didn't change it
0: <laughs> love it love it all right guys well if you if you want to get a hold of carlos and you can't figure out how get a hold of austin we'll get a hold of him for you but uh you, you heard the man on twitter hip-hop 101 trivia uh and listen to the podcast that he's on fantastic guest fantastic personality and someday i'd love to just chat with you and take you out for lunch and and hear more of your story about living out of the prius and i'm sure you've had a lot of interesting life lessons that I come out of your journey too. So I'd love to explore that at some point.
1: Definitely, definitely.
0: All right, Carlos, we'll let you go there. Thanks so much. Thanks,
1: Carlos. Okay, thank you, guys. Talk to you later. Man.
0: Bye. All right, guys. Well, we'll hang on here, Carlos. Feel free to jump off there. Uh, but, guys, what uh, what sort of feedback do you have uh, on the conversation?
3: Yeah, just as you said there, that that point about a good fold. Uh, doesn't mean that he uh, wasn't bluffing that time. It's just, you have to think about, we've spoken before about when they move an inch, you move a mile, Rob, you remember from that thinking poker one. Mm -hmm. And uh, just the concept that even if they're bluffing sometimes, if they're not bluffing enough, you should still fold. Let them bluff occasionally and still fold because the majority or, or enough of the time you're still going to be making more money by folding than, on, than by calling. So that, that's, that that's a point that just makes so much sense to me. I love, yeah, that. I love that,
0: o- that idea of exploitative folding, right? Go ahead, Rob. Sorry.
6: There's a Well, there's a concept too that if, if you're never folding to a bluff, you're not folding
5: enough. Sure. Mm-hmm. And you can't, don't? you always got to make sure that you're not letting results, even though you would have won the hand, can't let results affect good decisions. Yeah. Well, you, just, you see that all the time. Oh, go ahead, Chris.
4: Yeah, no, I, I mean that, that that was all great too. But I I love hearing Carlos talk about sort of the games he plays. You know why he plays them. He really he really knows what he's trying to do, and I think that that is something that a lot of poker players maybe don't think as much about and could learn a lot from uh i know that you know like the i the first time i heard him talk about this was you know several years ago but i was that was the first time i was heading to vegas i was gonna play in the you know the world series and like i had all these things on my calendar like okay i'm playing this and this and this and this because it was like you know the, the bracelet events and the whatever events and it really convinced me uh after i listened to him the next time to like play one of those sure but maybe go try to play a daily at the orleans or you know whatever and like try out some different pawns here and see you know like you can get your great experience but also like find games that you know maybe are have a little bit more value in them too
2: so good john did you have something there well i was just gonna say you know one of the most interesting things i think about him is he has definitely made a decision on what he wants to get out of his life and yeah. he has oriented everything in his life to align with that. And it, even though it's not, I mean, living out of your car is not something that is socially normal, <laughs> you know, right. in in our society. It, it's kind of weird to tell you the truth, but it's fascinating and it works for him. And he's figured out just how to make his life work and how to make poker fit into his life. Um, and it's just Fascinating to listen to him.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I, I love that idea of here's what I want to do. I want to play poker, quote unquote, recreational slash pro. I want to write. How am I going to make that happen? Well, I'm not going to play the big enough stakes. I'm not going to get all this debt or you know staking. So I'm going to have to reduce expenses. I'm going to live out of my car. That works fine for me and my family situation, and I don't mind it. And I'm going to get a Prius. So I can have the air at night, and you know I, I do. I love that too, John. I love that idea of saying this is my dream. How do I make it happen? Uh, rather than just sort of accepting the default life that he was given, so I think it's fantastic. Well, guys, let's uh, let's do a little round robin here. Let's see what's going on uh, in Rec Poker Nation. John, why don't we just go ahead and start with you?
2: Well, we had our uh, first No Limit Hold'em series game of the month, and some guy named po- yeah. Poker Geek MN uh, won that one. <laughs> uh, luck boxed this, this, his way.
0: This is the recording, like every week. Some guy named Poker Geek yeah, MN won the tournament. Way to go, John. Congratulations, honestly.
2: Well, thank you. I was I was really hoping to win that. I mean, I was trying to play more focused that night because I wanted to win one of the No Limit Hold'em series, and you've only got 12 shots in the year. Whereas, you know, the social distancing series, you've got 28 or 30 in a month to try. So there's quite a big difference there.
0: Now, is this Uh, one where
2: you and Rob were doing, Rob got heads up? I was just going to say, you guys had a really
5: long heads up battle, right? Two hands. Yeah. Yeah.
6: (laughs) (laughs) It was two hands. I think he folded the first one and... We went all in on the second one.
2: Well, you know, I figured at that point I had, I think it was around, what, what, a 10-to-1 chip lead or something no, like that? No,
6: it was 20. It was 20-to-1. You had 100,000 chips, and I had five.
2: So I felt that that the odds were pretty even. With those chip stacks, it was 50-50 on who was going to win. Rob, yeah.
6: Well, yeah. yeah. The, the first hand I, I call from the big blind, or I might have raised, I don't, I don't even remember. He folds. I'm going what could you possibly fold there? I can't believe you Well, I had it. seven
2: deuce offsuit.
6: Seven So deuce, yeah. it, it was
2: one of the <laughs> very few hands that I would fold. But yeah. Uh, then June 10th, we have our uh, mixed Badoogie game coming up. And remember, there is a training video available. You can go to poker and uh, find the training, training video uh, on YouTube there. Um, and then, of course... For those of you listening to this, you will have time traveled into the future, and the May uh, Tournament of Champions will be over, but it's going to be played shortly after we get done recording this, so we'll be able to announce who has won uh, the second-ever Silver Wrecked Poker pin. Huh,
0: how many so, of you guys are in? I'm not in it. Either. Who's in it? No, I'm not in, in it. it. John's I'm in playing. it? Just Rob and John. Nice. Good Ugh. luck, guys.
6: Yeah, I can't wait to get that silver pin, which I'll never get in the mail either.
3: Sorry, sorry, Rob. I couldn't hear you. Could you speak directly into my pin there? There's a little connection issue.
6: Yeah, I I you know, I just I never got my bronze pin, so I doubt if I'll ever get my silver pin. Even if you didn't I win. get your bronze pins? No.
0: <laughs> when did you win?
6: May fifth. I think it was oh, over a yeah, month well, ago.
0: Well, the main one, I I sent them out once a month, man. So the main one, so yeah, for those of you who are out there listening, so everybody who won through April, they got their pins, except Taylor Moss has got returned, which I think is actually like karma. (laughs) He got two two pins and apparently it says it exceeds the weight. So it's considered a package. I (laughs) I might just screw Taylor, keep them. But, but no, the, uh, so the, the rhythm of mailing out the pins. So, uh, all of the may winners i'm waiting till after the june tournament of champions for the may so then i'll send out all the all the bronze and silver ones then so rob you'll you, you'll have i'll get them
6: both then at the same time uh, you'll get them both
0: uh, yes. the same. i don't you want to mail you, you the you know two envelopes <laughs> and, 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 and i should I get say first
3: <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I should say the the care package from Rec Poker US to Rec Poker Canada did arrive today. So all you Canadian, all you Canadian winners uh, will have yeah. your pins in the mail soon. I'm happy to There's report. There's
2: three or four of them. Yeah, way to go! <laughs> all right. So then, uh, June 1st, we had Witchy stuff. Lena Legar or Leda. Uh, Speaking
4: look, of Canadians,
2: June yeah. 1st! June yeah. 1st! We did not wait a single day
3: to come in and, and storm the thing? Capitol. There it is.
0: There it is.
2: I muted him. Oh, you we could all keep
3: talking.
4: <laughs>
2: yep. so oh, yeah, So, the very first tournament Good possible, down, that's... we had a Canadian winner. Uh, wow. Well, what, why was... is that significant? That doesn't matter. <laughs> because a Canadian winner means that. Steve now needs to sing "O oh Canada in some embarrassing context
4: yeah that's wow yeah. I, wow yeah wow you're shocked yeah because you guys railroaded <laughs> the
0: last podcast when I got out I said oh I got to go and you guys took over and pretty soon you ran with this thing and it was for a second there when I was listening to you guys I thought oh maybe they're gonna say it doesn't count because it was a you know, a non Canadian winner, you know, an international winner in may, and then then you guys say, Well, may let's call it a push and
4: Oh man. We did we were trying to be generous? We said You, were, you know what? You were. What this this isn't quite official yet, so let's just make it but you know, it won't happen. But if it happens in June, then <laughs> June first.
3: One day, that is the kind yeah, of Canadian so, spirit that we needed here to support. Witchy stuff, witchy stuff. If yeah, you're well listening to this, you stuff. know we, we are, are rooting. We, you are wreck poker famous now. Witchy stuff, way to go!
2: And so, that is so you, her uh, second social distancing. Is. Oh series, yeah, she's no,
3: then. she's no blushing violet. She shows up and wins poker tournaments for Canada. That's yep. witchy stuff. In case you were so wondering, so who so I don't
0: witchy know what stuff the, is? Witchy's Alita. So I don't know what uh, what that means for O Canada. I think the jury's still out, right? But there will be. Uh, I I didn't lose the wager, so yes. whatever that looks like,
3: yeah. That's true. such a gentleman. Steve was so such a good sport about this, and, and I mean to be fair, when we started, there were only two tournaments of month Correct. and three Canadians playing in them, so the the odds did seem pretty deep. But uh, uh, God bless them. You opened it up to some social distancing series. We got some international support. We got the international brigade brigade bumping in there in May to keep it alive. And then June, witchy stuff, sealing the deal. Feels oh. good. Now, we did talk about making it a little more embarrassing now because we've had this extra time. So I, I, I want to think about some crowdsourcing we can do. Rec Poker Nation, you know, I, I, I mean, really, you should email me. Jim at rec dot poker and send me some fun ideas. I don't think Steve needs to know about oh, them all. Email them to don't... me,
0: baby. I can filter. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> but hit us up on twitter send something to at poker on twitter with some fun ideas about wardrobe maybe some choreography you know i think there's a lot of ways we can spice up this national anthem maybe some fun harmonizing options um back uh, backdrops let's think about ways that we can really bring out wow. the spectacle of this because i you feel like, like we've a, got a lot of video run.
5: also you could have a video of something Ooh. behind that too, you
1: know? oh yeah, yeah yeah i like <laughs>
5: this
2: uh-huh. like the <laughs> yeah, possibilities yeah, you're the are endless. or something you no. Let's yeah. jerk. <laughs> Anything that is tastefully embarrassing
5: yeah.
2: is kind of our goal there.
0: I'll, I'll work on my lip syncing in the meantime. <laughs> no, 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 no,
4: no, no, no lip syncing.
3: No, and we're definitely putting it on the podcast. I think we're definitely yeah, like having like a little bumper at uh, the. I, I, I think. I mean, maybe, maybe even just like the first verse at the very beginning. And then, like, the meat of the podcast. And then, like, I don't know, something. I'm just really excited about this. I don't know if you can tell. But congratulations, Steve. <laughs> Hats off to you, man. Well, well done to uh, be such a good sport about this. We all can't wait to uh, oh,
2: it's take, fun. It's fun! fun. take it all in. Okay, I just poor, want poor, everyone poor to John know trying to get through. <laughs> it's not my fault that my round robin always takes the longest. <laughs> I
6: know. I was going to
0: say,
2: John never gets through his stuff. Like, this just derailed John as much as possible. <laughs> All right. So June 2nd, Magra 44, Doug Drabeck won his third social distancing series uh, win. And then on June 4th, I Hate to Lose, (laughs) William Alexander, who is a dealer at Running Aces, won his first Uh social distancing series on June 5th. Just to make sure that everything was still valid, we had another Canadian, Bluff Starini, our very uh, own Jim Reed, winning his ish. third social distancing series.
3: Bringing in the troops the first week of June.
2: Exactly. Yeah. On June 6th, Hawsey 8, Michael Hawes won his third social distancing series tournament. And on June 7th, back for more, MAGRA 44, Doug drebuck won his Fourth social wow. distancing. Series. Nice job, Doug.
3: Wow, that Double guy. D. Are we sure he's Double not Canadian? Because that's the kind of that's the kind of Canadian spirit we've come <laughs> to expect of our members here at Recto
6: Poker. <laughs> Rob, they call him Double D, don't we? Double D,
0: Double oh,
3: D. Yeah, yeah. His, kids
6: won,
0: his kid has won one on there too. So there they he's a beast. Enough. Yeah. Well, thank you, John, for all your work on that. I know people just love it, and man, what a, what a fun time we have. I just love chatting out there and. Like you said, half, like half hour from now when we're recording this thing, uh, the silver pin contest will start. We'll we'll let you know next week who won who wins this thing. But uh, exciting time for a lot of folks. I had a lot of uh, notes today, even people saying, "Just want to make sure that I'm in. Want to make sure that I'm in. You know, that kind of thing." People are fired up to try to go after that second silver pin. So, uh,
2: thanks for that, John. And and well, yeah, that and actually, during this recording, I've already uh, approved another member to the oh, poker club.
3: Good. And I, I, won the, I won the lottery, so I'll be the loser who's recording the final table tonight so we can release that to our membership later in the month as well. So even if you're not <laughs> playing in it, you'll get to see how these uh, sharks and crushers get to play the final table with the silver rec. Poker pin on the line.
0: Yeah, that's right. We do have the recording from the last one out there. If you're a member, you can go watch the final table uh, of the silver uh, TOC. It's kind of fun to, to get an edge on folks and see how they're playing. Good stuff. Well, why don't we uh, shift gears? Chris, uh, what do we got coming up?
4: Uh, yeah. So June is still three betting month. So we have got got our <laughs> seminar out and we'll be doing our uh, strategy chat, our strat chat on June 24th. So if you're a member, tune in for that. Um, and then we're gearing up for our July seminar, which is all about bluffing should be really
0: good. So combining those two things. So I, I just need to come clean. Uh, I need Taylor's not here. So I need to, vent a little bit so last night in the home game so uh taylor comes to our table and he and it's my big blind and he puts right in the chat who's blind who's big blind is it and so he goes ahead and raises uh and i'm sitting there with like 12 big blinds with ace queen of diamonds so against a taylor open like that's a an auto rip so i'm going to practice my three betting even though it's kind of a unique situation so i go ahead and jam he goes in the tank I'm like, sweet, you know, you can't chat while well the stuff is out there. So I type it up nice and good. So uh, when when he calls or holds, I get a quick hit enter. And I'm like, oh, man, tanking, this is great. This is good for me that he's tanking, blah, 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 blah. And so then he calls, and I hit the button, and then he flips over Kings. He slow rolled me. And he just had a ball with it. And he goes on Twitter, and he talks about the slow roll. <laughs> it, was, it was all in good fun. But I'm like, Taylor, no. I thought, oh. Uh, yeah, this sucks. So there you go. Three <laughs> betting, home game, Taylor Moss, rubbing it in on the old man. There you Thanks. go. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> All right.
4: Uh, anything else, Chris? No, that's it. That's it. All well, right. I, just, I assume your ace-queen didn't
2: catch up. <laughs>
0: no, it didn't, of course. No, of course it didn't. Even if it did, though, it was a pretty sweet slow roll moment. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, I'm like, at this point, I'm like, yeah, please call. Like, I'm in <laughs> the chat. Like, like yes, please call. Let's go if you're thinking about it. I don't care if you got fives or whatever. I need a double, you know. But no, they did not catch up. No, you don't want him got... to
3: have fives. You don't want him to have fives. Uh, I want yeah. to have fives. Yeah. Yeah. Why would yeah. you wish that? that that's, a guaranteed that's, winner a, every that's time. That's
4: a nightmare wish on yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, he, he, he eliminated me. All right, Andrew, why don't we see what you got going on?
5: All right, so uh, Wednesday, June tenth. So this Wednesday, we do have another learning with partners uh, at six thirty p.m. Central Time. Central Time, six thirty. Uh, but in the meantime, you guys can go to rec.poker/resources. Uh, we got a lot of good stuff going on there right now. Uh, Solve for Y is still nine ninety nine. Uh, incredible deal for that one. But then just starting yesterday, and it is posted today now. Uh, Learn Pro Poker just launched their post flop summer sale. They they added some a bunch of post flop video content and have lowered membership prices to thirty dollars a month. And then also they have a three, uh, 305 yearly that ends July 1st. Uh, so that is new as of yesterday. Go check that out. Uh, poker slash resources. Great deals out there right now.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks Andrew for being on top of all that stuff. I know they put out <laughs> different things from time to time. And Andrew always says, Hey, we got the new deal, get it out there. And so, uh, we put it out there and it's a great way to support us while well, you can get great education too, is. Uh, use our link and uh, and sign up there so thank you Andrew and and I don't know what Ryan has planned for LPP going forward but that's what Taylor was a part of Learn Pro Poker he ended up playing for that $10,000 seat in that final eight so I assume Ryan will have things like that going forward with Learn Pro Poker as well
5: yeah I would guess so too because that was pretty popular that contest so I'm assuming that 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 kind of stuff will happen in the future
6: yeah Robert hey What's happening?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you tell me, man. Just hanging out with some pretty cool people. That's all I know Yeah, I'm this is on. fun stuff. Yeah.
6: June 17th, the book study starts. The Game Plan by Matt Matros. Uh, Matt was a guest on the Rec booker podcast at one time, talking about the book and some other things. That was very cool. Um, we, have a, we have a contest going on right now. It's a Twitter contest. And if you start, even just starting today, you can get seven entries for a free book. If you can enter once a day on Twitter, all you have to do is tag Matt underscore Matros. Um, mention uh, hashtag Community and hashtag Study, And you'll be entered into a contest that we will be giving away the book on June 15th, just in time to read the first chapter and be part of the book study starting on the 17th. So get, get your Twitter fingers going, get it out there, (laughs) get your tweets happening. Like I say, you can get seven more entries if you've already got the first, you know, six, whatever, but you could get up to, uh, yeah, you can get up to, no, actually seven. If you could have up to 14 entries, if you do it every day from June 1st, and even if you haven't yet, you can still get seven more. Those I, I wanna know what
0: odds. I want to know what Twitter fingers look like. <laughs> 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 and, and just so people know too, the uh the copy of the book that you'll get is a PDF. So you think, oh well if it's starting the seventeenth and it's the fifteenth, I won't have time for it to actually get to you. You'll we'll immediately send it to you uh, a PDF so you will be able to start it right away. Great and stuff, also, Rob. That's exciting. And we're ahead, planning
3: that we're planning that first meeting to be mostly like a get to know the book, get to know each other, talk about the table of contents, sort of like make a plan for what's going forward. So even if you're not, uh, even if you haven't read the first chapter, you can still come on the seventeenth, and we'll uh, go through the plan for everything. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Rob, Rob, I can tell already is excited about this. Talking to him, <laughs> and uh, it is a great book. So I can't wait to get my teeth into this one.
0: Love it. Well, why don't we just uh, segue right into you there, Jim? What do you got going on?
3: Well, we're just so darn excited about this new website still coming along. Um, We've got some of the guys here in there doing some secret shopping, beta testing kind of stuff right now. And uh, I I just want to whip the curtain off and, you know, show everyone all the exciting stuff. But we can't. We're not quite there yet. But I think the thing I really want to talk about is... This is the Rec Poker community coming to life in front of our eyes here. This is what, when we've talked about the Rec Poker community before, this is what we're talking about. And if you want to, you can just come with an email address, sign up for a free account. You're going to have a, a community membership here at Rec.poker with forums, uh, groups with different interests. There's going to be videos or events every single day. Every single day, there's going to be a video or an event that you can watch or engage with and talk to other members about, Um, forums to talk about different strategy things. I'm really excited to see how the members themselves are going to make the most out of this community that we're building, and I just can't wait to get there
2: any day. Well, no, I shouldn't even (laughs) say that, but soon. (laughs) It is. uh, As one of the people who's had a sneak peek, it is looking pretty good. It'll be very useful.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think like, like Jim said, you know, what we've really, our differentiator, there's a lot of folks out there that are doing content. Uh, I stand by our content. I think it's phenomenal. Like the seminars that Chris puts together. I think the partner stuff that Andrew shares, I think it's phenomenal top end stuff. I really believe that for, for recreational players, but I think really the key differentiator is that community piece of it. Uh, hopefully you guys get a flavor of it through the podcast, but that's what this is. It's it's a, it's an encouraging, it's a vibrant community of us learning the game together and having fun along the way and building relationships. And I think, you know, we, we've been, where we're falling short is we haven't had a good tool to help facilitate that community building. Uh, And this website is really built around this idea of how do we get people together that have common interests and start to build those relationships and learn the game together in the way that we want. And and this tool is really going to pave the way for that and then uh, open the door for real strong learning uh, as far as you want to take that. So I'm really encouraged by the work that, Jim has done, a website Mark uh, has done on this thing. Uh, and all the, all of you guys that have taken a look at that and said, hey, let's tweak this. Let's make this a little bit more user friendly. Uh, that stuff's all super friendly, uh, super helpful. So I am really excited about it. It's been a long time coming. We keep talking about it, but we want to get it right uh, before we release it. And, and we are getting really close now. So uh, thanks for all of your work on that. Anything else, Jim, that you wanted to share?
3: Oh, just keep oh. on uh, showing up Canadians and spanking these Yanks.
0: Easy, easy. So a couple things for me real quick. The next play and hang uh, is June 17th. We're trying to gra- wrestle up some some pros and some personalities to stop by and hang with us. Uh, we'll be making the announcements on who those folks are uh, that get to do it. Uh, a reminder, we're going to do a one table, uh, just a single table tournament hanging out. Uh, we'll do a Zoom call uh, myself. Uh, some of the folks that have played the home game before, and then we'll bring some some folks in to, to hang out with us. I know Sarah Herring uh, has already committed. We've got a few others that are interested. Uh, if you know Sarah Herring from Poker News and other things, she said, yeah, I'll swing by. That sounds like a blast. So uh, she'll be there at least on the 17th to hang out, hang out with us for a while. And I already mentioned the pins are being mailed this week. So Rob, settle down. Uh, the May winners and the Tournament of Champion winner uh, determined tonight uh, will be mailed out Uh, And there's still a few of you that I don't have mailing addresses for you. You're not really responding when we're reaching out to you as we play. So we're trying our best. Uh, If you haven't gotten a pin and you think you should have, get a hold of me, Steve at rec.poker, and let me know your address, and then we can get in touch with you uh, that way. So with that, uh, anything that we missed, guys? Anything else uh, that you think we need to share for the good of the order? All right. Well, check out rec.poker. Sign up for our newsletter. It's a great way to stay informed. Thank you to Running Aces, uh, Racetrack, Hotel, Casino, Website, Amp, and Learn Pro Poker. Uh, thanks to Carlos Welch. Fantastic conversation with him. Thanks to our panel as well. I should give Chris a shout out uh, as well. He joined us right as we were getting going. But Chris and John and Jim and Andrew and Rob, thanks you guys. Uh, it's always a blast. And we will catch you next time.